Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you for listening to episode 20. Episode 20. So um, this is... Uh, uh, Who would have thought we'd yeah, keep running I, this yeah, long? I eh? don't know. Uh, I'm 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 shocked and humbled. Fantastic! Absolutely. Keep the keep the questions coming, uh, guys. Uh, I'm Brandon Curry. Josh Bond. Sean Hetherington. Trevor Lindy. And you notice that uh, just Sean has popped in to to help out with the panel because uh, Jeff Collins is quote unquote in Halifax uh, (laughs) doing something. He's supposedly working. I I saw him wearing a lobster bib yesterday. Hopefully he's having a great time. Yeah, he's probably having a great time. Holding up the devil horn. So, Bondo, um, can you, you had a question come in. Uh, you want to speak to it? Something yeah. about the A, Schedule A or something like that? Yeah, no, we, we recognize it uh, as an A number uh, within our industry. And uh, essentially, the government has come down with uh, some new requirements for all purchasers, or most purchasers. Uh, it doesn't uh, necessarily apply to uh, commercial properties or vacant land, uh, but it requires us to ask additional client uh, questions of the clients uh, so that the government could track what their intentions are of the property and what their status was at the time that they purchased. Okay. So a couple of the main things that the government is looking for here is, uh, are the purchasers deeming the property to be their primary residence? Okay. So we all know that the fallout of a property not being your, your primary residence is on disposition or when you go to sell the property. Capital gains. Capital gains. Yeah. Um, so they're tracking whether it's their primary residence, and if not, then they'd be able to uh, levy a tax against uh, the sale of the property. Another thing that they're monitoring throughout the questions is uh, the citizenship of the purchaser. Really? <laughs> really, Bondo? So like everyone else has their phone. Silence. Like everyone else has their phone. We're in a we're in a deep serious conversation right now, and someone's got their alarm on. <laughs> My apologies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so another thing that they're uh, they're tracking and monitoring is the residency of the purchaser. As everybody's aware, we've mentioned before, um, the province has introduced uh, non-resident uh, speculation tax. So that on the acquisition of a property, if you're not a resident or uh, a permanent resident or Canadian citizen, and there's a couple of other uh, exceptions that may apply, contact uh, your legal counsel, um, you're required to pay an additional 15% on closing as a tax. Okay, so let's let's um, let's uh, let's dumb it down. Yeah. Okay. Just, let's. Sorry, just before stretch. we get okay. into a little bit yeah. further, another thing that they're tracking, uh, and the other third important aspect that they're tracking and we'll have a further uh, podcast on this alone is uh, a bare trust arrangement okay so where you know the instance where uh, a parent is going on with the child for the sole purposes of uh, the child's inability to establish a creditworthiness and secure a mortgage the parent will go on traditionally as a co-signer yep um or guarantor but they can go on now the banks are liking to see them on title as well but we can enter a bare trust agreement that says, look, it, uh, although I've got a commitment to the bank, this property really isn't mine. Right. No it's, interest it, in, so it's on. It's my, 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 my child's. I don't, yeah, I don't pay anything. The child pays for it, and I'm not going to get a lift when the property is So, we'll, yeah, we'll do that in another, we'll break that away in another yeah. episode, and you and Lindy can deep dive into that. No, it's a very useful th- tool. It's very useful, because, sure. uh, Trevor, you come across this every day yep. uh, for that. So, but um, I just want to kind of get into, let's, let's roll back to the point number two, um, where uh, you as legal counsel, so let's set up an example. 
um, and uh, Trevor uh, chime in as well. Uh, you've got a property that's for sale. The owner, the seller, uh, is a non-resident of Canada. Okay. Okay. The buyer are the buyers are Canadian. Both are represented by uh, real estate agents, um, and both have their own individual legal counsel, right? Because yep. that's what has to get done. Sure. Yes. Um, well, unless there's certain exceptions that apply to right. to the to the two lawyer rule, but yeah. Okay. So then, um, in that particular instance, what if I understood you correctly, the purchaser has to pay an additional fifteen percent on the property because the person that is selling it is a non-res. No, not not the only when the purchaser is a non-resident. So the purchaser is from the states, and so, go ahead. Yeah. So if you are you asking that the purchaser is a non-resident and the vendor, the seller is a non-resident? No, I said the okay. vendor, the person selling, is a non-resident. The person. Okay, so that's exactly what what this topic or the, the A number will cover for a non the. The non-residency speculations tax for the buyer is different than the A number. Okay, so I'm asking. Okay, I'm asking. It is, but I mean, part of the A number. So it, it's a, it's a means of the government requiring us as lawyers asking questions of the client, and then we've got to put it into a system, and then they'll generate an A number. Yes. And on any transfer that, for the most part, resale residential, um, non-vacant, non-commercial property you have to have that A number inserted right into the transfer. Okay. So those questions are tracked. So if you're dealing with a non-resident, we'll know it at that point in time, and we're gonna have to levy an additional 15% tax that I have to collect. But who are you representing, Josh? Purchaser. So you, so I, okay, you're my lawyer. Yes. Okay, Trevor's my mortgage agent. Yes. Okay, Jeff Collins is my real, real estate representative. Yes. Okay. And you've got your insurance through Sean and Hetherington. And I get my insurance through Sean Hetherington. Nice. Full so <laughs> I, uh, I'm purchasing a property. Yes. Where the seller. Yes. Is in this particular case is a uh, a Florida resident. Okay. Okay. Yep. They're snowbirds and they live uh, more than six months a year in in the in the state of Florida, and uh, they had a rental property in. Crystal Beach or name a spot, Muskoka, doesn't matter, in the province of Ontario. And I'm right. purchasing that property. What do I have to know as the purchaser with this in regards to A number? Have good counsel for them to help you and navigate what, what the is, process you, in you, short. Correct. If, if there's a, it's, it's a little bit different than the A number entirely. The okay. A number doesn't necessarily touch on that. And, and what you're asking is something that we might be able to address in another podcast. But the, the, the long and short of it is you have to be very cautious when you're dealing with a non-resident vendor as in well. Gen, in, in general. Correct. Because there's different requirements, holdback requirements. Essentially, what the government, uh, it's not going to be their primary residence. Right. So there's not a primary residence exemption from uh, tax perspective. That's correct. So with all likelihood, that property is going to be subject to capital gains tax. That's correct. So what you have to be cautioned uh, with as a purchaser is that you get a clearance certificate from the government making sure that that seller doesn't owe taxes okay, to our Canadian government. Correct. That, and that I completely understand because the seller, regardless of the fact of whether or not they are a resident of Canada or not, they still owe CRA correct. their capital gain, their taxable capital gains. Yes. Now, so there's they, holdback requirements. Who that you holds can use. the mo- who holds the money? Like, the, the, uh, it would. That. I, I'd have to double check it, but I believe it's the purchaser solicitor. Got it. Uh, that would hold a portion of the Funds sale proceeds that or, I'm giving the vendor. Correct. Yeah. Or we could 
give the money over with an undertaking from the seller's lawyer not to right say it's, they it gets it. held in trust not, not exactly yeah it yeah. gets held the in money trust by their held okay. in trust somewhere until that clearance certificate but the key is, is is if you're doing that you need to have a clearance letter stating that you're in the clear clearance certificate your yes. clearance yes. certificate says in, in in layman's terms you're in the clear cra cannot come after you there's no taxes owing got it if you don't have a clearance certificate that's when the hold back comes in right so you have to hold back funds i, I I, I'm, I believe it's 25%. I'd have to double check yes. to, I, to Recently, confirm. yes, 25% is what I've seen. Um, but then, yeah. Okay, now scenario B. Scenario B is... Uh, so that's a little bit different than the no, topic, okay, but yeah. it's something that we can definitely address. Okay, scenario B yes. is, I think this is uh, the, the, the A number or whatever it's yes. called, yep. uh, is basically um, us. So I'm selling. So again, same situation. Uh, I'm selling my property, and the purchaser off of me is a non-res. Yes. So they're from Florida. Non-res, temporary resident. As temporary well. resident, yeah. If they have permanent residency, they live here, they meet the criteria. Correct. They're Correct. good. Uh, if they are a citizen of the country, they meet the criteria to still right. keep. They are, and they are a non-res according to CRA, and they're just okay. temporary. Yeah. Yes. They, they, and again, I'm in Muskoka. I'm in Crystal Beach. I am wherever selling a holiday home that they just come and fly in. What do I need to be to know? And I'm a permanent resident. I'm a Canadian citizen selling to an American. Nothing. Nothing. There's no issues there. Not from the seller's perspective. Okay. It's all on the purchaser and the purchaser's lawyer at that okay. point. Okay. And then how does they this need to make sure they've got enough money to pay that fifteen percent right non-residency tax? Correct. Okay. So you technically, as a vendor, the one selling the property, may not if if the due diligence hasn't been done by every party involved on the purchasing end mm -hmm. you the vendor may very well find have out on the day of close no you don't no. have to pay anything all oh, right you but have you to, may find out on the day dead. of closing the that the deal's done yeah that, that you are not closing you're not getting uh you're not uh, getting paid for this and we did we did see uh obviously you know uh, a little bit of an influx of those happening when the it government uh, there was transition rules but then you know sometimes there's a, a lag between when the transition rules take effect and expire to when people get knowledge of it. Yeah. So then what is the A number then in layman's terms? So the, the A number is the government collecting information to see that in the future, whether there should be present or in the future, whether they should be taxing uh, the transaction. So if you're non-res, it gets taxed immediately and there's a statement. So if somebody's making a misrepresentation that, hey, look, at uh, I'm a resident Canadian, and then lo and behold, the government, now the, the government's saying that you have to keep this information indefinitely. Right. So we give you a closing package and I tell my clients, you've got to hold on to this package indefinitely, put it in a file, the government call, call on you to reproduce these documents. And this is the client, the client is a Canadian citizen or a non-res? Regardless. Doesn't matter. Regardless of, uh, of who's closing the transaction. Um, so... Non, if they've made a misrepresentation in terms of their residency status, mm -hmm. then the government can track it at that point in time and then charge them the 15% after the fact right. and maybe some retroactive. Right. Also, when people go to sell the property, they could look back and say, look, you characterize this as not your primary residence and trigger them to the possibility that capital gains should be levied on the sale of that property. Right. So it's all a method of the government trying to track what the use of the properties uh, are. They also ask whether it's rented out or whether, 
you're living in it as your primary residence to and, cover and, the primary residence. And this is all also, uh, this is just recently too, on everyone's T1s, you actually have, or T4s. Uh, you have to designate. Yes, designate. Yeah. If you've ever sold your principal yeah, residence. I believe that's within the last couple that's of years. That's just in the last two years. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's it's a really a means of the government cracking down, saying, "Look at when these transactions go through, we want to know information about the purchasers, their primary residence, whether they're residents, whether they're holding it in trust for anybody else, and you know, if there's a misrepresentation, then the government can go back on the the purchasers for that." So what what happens in the case of you have a, a a Florida resident selling their home in Crystal Beach. I'm a buyer. I'm buying the property. Now they're responsible for withholding that certain percentage of tax or whatever correct. it yep. may be. They don't hold the correct amount or perhaps their solicitor failed to do that in any case. Now I'm the buyer. Now I and now I own the property and the CRA comes knocking on the door saying, you know, this is owed or whatever the case may be. Sure. Is it then my responsibility as the new homeowner? Yes. Could, could very well be. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so that's is. important to know as well. Yeah, right? it's no very akin to searching the individuals and searching the property itself, right? Okay. You you've got to make sure you know who you're dealing with. Again, if we get them to say, you know, in accordance with 116 uh, the Income Tax Act, uh, I'm the way the language is. I'm not a non-resident. Okay. Right. So as long as you've got that representation as a purchaser, you're good. Okay. You can rely on that and say, look, if, they, if they're not a resident, then they've misrepresented to me. But if they've indicated to you on closing or before closing that they are non, they are not, a, they are a non-resident Canadian, then you've got a positive obligation to make sure that you get that clearance certificate. And if not, there's a hold back in order to. Okay. satisfy the government requirements that you've held back the money to get to ensure that you're you're clear well just okay. you know so th this came up in a in a private broker facebook forum where that topic has come up and they were the vendors did misrepresent themselves to their solicitor and in turn their solicitor to the buyer's solicitor wow, that purchaser crazy. is still technically on the hook now the purchaser is in a position where do they try and sue their lawyer, the other lawyer? Do they sue all parties? Do they pay the CRA? Because the CRA, at the end of the day, the CRA is knocking on you, the purchaser's door. They're not coming and saying your lawyer transferred this. It's nothing like that. It is they're coming after. And in a couple of those instances with that 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 uh, comment that I had shared with you, Bondo, yep. um, that's exactly what ended up happening. In one, in a couple of the instances where other brokers chimed in, one instance where actually the um, the errors and omissions insurance of the real estate agent ended up kicking in uh, to pay the claim, the yeah. CRA claim on it. And in another instance, uh, it was a solicitor's E&O insurance that paid the claim yeah. on it. And usually in those instances, there somebody will have dropped the ball and that's who they're gonna be looking to. To, to, to nail with it, right? For sure. But at the end of the day, you know, is it is it fair? You know, I brought up a story with you guys earlier where somebody tried to come after me and mm -hmm. say that I was negligent in, mm -hmm. in a situation where it was very clear that, it, you know, their payments included principal and interest and no property taxes. They took, uh, because they wanted the taxes added into the payment, uh, they, you know, it was they're looking for a cash grab, yeah. right? So at the end of the day, is it, is it fair to say, you know, that it, it's a solicitor's responsibility or, or the, 
it's everybody. Everybody yeah. involved in the transaction, it's their responsibility, right? Dot yeah, the and it's, cross a, the T's. it's a CYA, right? It, 100%. Um, and from the purchaser's perspective, the purchasers are going to be none the wiser. Yes. They're the innocent part out of it. They're, they're, they're the lay person. They don't have the knowledge. The agents should have a little bit more knowledge in terms of know your client. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the lawyers, from our perspective, have an obligation. You know, we ask the question straight out. Yeah. In every transaction, are you a resident Canadian or not a resident Canadian? Well, and the funny part too that came up in this conversation is, well, shouldn't the for FinTrack purposes, isn't the real estate agent getting a copy of the driver's license? And the same aspect for you as a solicitor, yep. you're getting a copy of the driver's license. It doesn't mean like if you're a Canadian resident, you have a, but you, you snowbird and you're out of the country you, for enough period of time, yeah, you, you still have that Canadian yeah, driver's absolutely license. Absolutely do. Yeah. So how do you? You know what I mean? Like from our perspective, yeah. the question is: Have you been have you been living in Canada, or have you been in Canada for 183 days out of the last 12 months? And that would determine whether yeah. they were resident, or non-resident, yes. right? Yeah, because yeah. that's where that's where you have to start them paying taxes. Okay. What if, over 183 okay. days? What if they were wrong on their math? Then is their I know one their misrepresentation at that point in time. Yes, because I I don't. I don't have, okay. as the lawyer, I don't have the ability to track all of my clients and what their comings and goings. Okay. So that's why we we ask the question, right? Okay. So, it, and it's serious. And I mean, it's it's brought about with them in a serious manner to say, look, this is the government asking questions. Yep. So they're tracking the information that we're supplying to them. Yes. Right. I've got one client. She's very particular. She does track the number of days that she is. Yeah. And she does it for OHIP purposes. Usually the, the close ones will, sure. right? Yes. Because they want to make sure that they've got certain coverages. Yeah. Yeah, my father, exactly my right. father tracks the amount of days he works in the states. Yeah, because of that exact the 183 day rule. Yeah, so you the know, ignorance of it, Trev, won't, won't won't absolve anybody from liability. Right. Yeah. Right. So if they say, oh, well, we did the math wrong, well, you, you still made the mass representation, right? Yeah, I, I just I look at that of you know, the purchaser is now on the hook. Yeah, that's and, a very odd. And nobody scenario. wants to accept ownership of it. Yeah. We know, in fact, that it's the vendor Correct. that screwed up. It's not the lawyer. It's not the real estate agents. It's nobody else's fault but the vendor, but can't squeeze blood from a stone, right? Correct. What if they've already spent the money? Yep. It's gone. And, and they're out of country. And they're out of country. Yeah, absolutely. And CRA is going to go after. Down, yeah. So you, the buyer, unfortunately, is now on the hook for that, yep. that amount of money. Yep. Scary. That's uh, that's an I, I think across that scenario, Trev. But uh, a lot you, of this was Toronto-based brokers yeah. that you know see it a lot a differently lot more, because yeah. of of the foreign investment dollars that are coming into the, the I city. Just, I think to wrap it, I think to 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 put a nice bow on this is basically you ha again, and this goes back to you know episode nineteen. You get what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like and you know, full I, disclosure. The amount too, right? the amount of time yeah. the amount of time that I hear. You know, when I refer you, Bondo, uh, to my clients, uh, like, oh, how much does he charge? How much does he charge? And I'm like, listen, and, and, and to be fair, uh, you know, you, you, you're you very, very reasonable. Yep, but I'm not um, the cheapest. But you're not the cheapest. And and, and I tell and my the, clients like, that. Come on, like, you, you get what you pay for. And in yeah. these types of situations, we are professionals. We have designations after our names. We've done years of schooling. We have experience. You need to understand that you have to deal with reputable people and not just some Tom, Dick, and Harry that, you know, is doing it part-time or doing bookkeeping part-time or whatever the case, because it will get you in the end. And it, the funny thing, in my it, experience... It may get you in the end. It, it, that's it, the thing. Well, and that, right? that's where yeah, I was yeah. going, right? Like for the, you know, let's call it the 9 or 10, where things go off without a hitch, then, you know, shopping for the, low, you know, the cheapest guy or girl on the street... 
did you win? Did you lose? Well, potentially you did. But are you the 9 out of the 10 or are you the 1 out of the 10? Right. Right? And that's too much risk that, that listeners need to understand. Don't take the risk. Go to, and you know, I'm not saying that Bondo's the only reputable, but, yep. you know, he's part of this group. And, and he, you know, we can, you know, two of us can speak. Well, if Collins was here, three of us could speak very, very highly about your services and, and you. how, how adamant that we are about saying, no, you know what? Bondo's going to take care of you. If shit hits the fan, pardon the language. Oh, yeah. I got to censor this episode now. But, uh, <laughs> no, know, no, I mean, he's, it, he's got your back. Very, very true. And uh, clients, I'm very open about it. You know, it's just the way I am. It's the way I practice. Well, it, I, you know, it goes back down to the definition of a cynic, right? A cynic knows the price of everything, but the value of nothing. Yes. So you need to quit being a cynic, uh, do your research yep. and figure out what, you know, I'm not saying you know, spend astronomical amounts, but, you know, understand what you're getting at and, and, and really understand the, the expertise that they're bringing to the table. Really, you're usually talking about a matter of a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not trying to minimize a couple of hundred dollars, but from my perspective, you usually know, oh, well, I can, I can get in touch with the lawyer very quickly. Um, when I speak to the lawyer, he's asking me questions. He's probing... He's explaining land transfer tax, the whole process to me. The other lawyers, like you said, nine times out of 10, done. Yeah. You know, they're, they'll be able to close your transaction, no problem. Yes. It's just what happens in the one situation out of the 10, and if you're that person, yeah. you probably would have appreciated the fact that you spent an extra couple hundred dollars to get the lawyer that's not gonna say, okay, now you've gotta go see another lawyer to handle this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So awesome. that uh, wraps up episode 20. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Trevor, how do they share and like and care? It is available on every podcast platform. As professional insights. So please subscribe, please like, and please share on your social media platforms. Keep the questions coming. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks, guys. Out. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.